Coming up on We Talk News this week, the latest on the legalization movement in Washington, D.C., with more bipartisan movement for reform of cannabis. Plus, companies from coast to coast are failing and closing. Growers, manufacturers, and dispensaries struggle to survive, while publicly traded Scott's miracle Grow company wants to up their commitment to the industry. And corruption at the town and city level sends some guilty parties to jail in New Jersey and in Massachusetts. And Washington, D.C. will say goodbye to one of the all-time leaders in cannabis reform, Earl Blumenauer, announces he won't run for re-election in Oregon. All that, plus cannabis news from coast to coast on We Talk News with Elena Pinto, next. Cannabis Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to We Talk News, Pro Cannabis Media's weekly roundup of cannabis news from coast to coast. I'm Elena Pinto. Once again, we will start in Washington, D.C., where there is some optimism for change in the cannabis laws at the federal level. 31 bipartisan members of the House of Representatives is asking the DEA to deschedule cannabis entirely and not move it to Schedule 3. Perhaps the most encouraging development this week is that there are seven supporters of this letter to the DEA who represent illegal states. Our man in D.C. is Andrew Beringer. Here he is. I am Andrew Berenger with this week's DC's Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Momentum continues to build for federal cannabis reform as a bipartisan coalition in the House urges the full descheduling of cannabis. A group of 31 lawmakers from both sides of both parties signed a letter to the DEA last week pushing for cannabis to be completely removed from the Controlled Substances Act. Of the signatories, 27 are Democrats and 4 are Republicans, showcasing growing unity on the issue across the aisle. The group includes members from cannabis holdout states and major legal markets. The letter criticizes simple rescheduling as inadequate and argues descheduling is needed to align with state-level legalization efforts now embraced by a majority of Americans. While the DEA weighs rescheduling cannabis to a lesser restricted category, these Congress members say that doesn't go far enough for this booming industry and its consumers. They contend descheduling provides the clearest path forward to finally regulate and tax cannabis commerce nationwide. It remains unclear if this push will spur policy change, but it reflects rapidly shifting attitudes on federal cannabis reform. The call for descheduling cannabis represents the most significant rethink of this issue from lawmakers since legalization began sweeping states back in 2012. As views continue evolving across bipartisan lines, consensus grows in Congress that America's outdated federal cannabis policies need an overhaul. While bipartisanship remains elusive on many issues, this band of lawmakers believes the time has come to end the national prohibition on cannabis. Well, that will do it for the D.C. area report for this week. Once again, I am Andrew Berenger reporting for Weed Talk News. Now that Oregon 
has combined their business associations into one large group, the work begins to solidify the reform effort there. Marianne Kursaji from Alibi has the latest from that state and a tribute to the retiring Earl Blumenthaler cannabis reformist in D.C. I'm Marianne from Alibi with this week's Oregon Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Next week will be the final event hosted by the Oregon Cannabis Association. As reported earlier, all cannabis trade and advocacy associations have now merged into one powerhouse. Headed by Jesse Bontecu, the Cannabis Industry Alliance of Oregon, CHOW, is now the single organization for the industry to join together and create a better future for Oregon cannabis. Next, another legal chapter has closed as the lawsuit between Boris Jordan of Curaleaf and Nitin Khanna has settled. Terms were not disclosed. This has been an ongoing saga with accusations of cheating, malfeasance, and rape. Oregon company Sentia Wellness, which operated under Social CBD, was part of the Curaleaf purchase of in Oregon. The lawsuit covered allegations of security fraud. The settlement closes a chapter on one of the largest cannabis scandals in Oregon. And finally, Congressional Cannabis Champion Earl Blumenauer will retire next year. He has represented the Portland area in the House of Representatives since 1996 and has been the cannabis industry's staunchest advocate. The industry we have today would likely not have existed without his unfailing advocacy. Thank you, Representative Blumenauer, for your dedication to Oregonians. That's the Oregon Cannabis Report for this week. I'm Marianne with Alibi. Cannabis business people from all over the world will converge on Las Vegas, Nevada at the end of November for MJ BizCon, the largest trade show in the industry every year. That state recognizes and deals with adult entertainment vices better than perhaps any other state in the country. And now they have awarded six new licenses to open social consumption clubs in that city. And unfortunately, they will not be operational for MJ Biz this year, but will be ready to rock by next year. In New York, the battle to rid the city of illegal distribution continues while the legal process remains on hold. That group should have an answer on the court case that is holding up the awarding of any more licenses on Monday. And Pam Schmiel has more from the Big Apple. I'm Pam Schmiel with the New York Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Finally, the wait is over. New York Judge Kevin Bryant is expected to hand down a decision on Monday about the legality of New York's social equity program. You may remember a few months ago, Judge Bryant imposed an injunction forbidding the Office of Cannabis Management from issuing any more licenses to any more social equity licenses because a group of disabled veterans claim it's unconstitutional for others to be left out of the first round of the application process. And the injunction has also left social equity entrepreneurs stranded and unable to proceed with the opening of their dispensaries. And many have suffered financial hardships by having to pay their employees and rent while waiting for the injunction to resolve. 
And while waiting for the um, Judge Bryant to make his decision, the Office of Cannabis Management is suggesting that social equity entrepreneurs resubmit their applications with the general public since the portal is now open to everyone. And as the game of whack-a-mole continues in New York City over the uh, um, unlicensed smoke shops, New York City public advocate Germani Williams is suggesting the state issue transition licenses to stores operating illegally. The idea is to hand these stores a transition license to make it easier for them to get a dispensary license. Now, this raises the question about how the current dispensary license owners will feel when giving illegal storefronts a transition license without them having to jump through the hoops to get a license or pay the thousands of dollars it costs to get one. That's this week's New York Cannabis Report. I'm Pam Schmiel for Weed Talk News. In New Jersey, the focus of the launch of the adult use market remains a fluid enterprise. Back office deals, bribes to gain licenses, and the lack of authority by the regulatory body that oversees the industry are some of the reasons why this is happening. Still, new dispensaries are opening up that are not multi-state operators. Jill Goldsbury was at an opening this past week. Hi, this is Jill here with the New Jersey Report for We Talk News. And interesting things are going on this week in New Jersey, but I've got 90 seconds. So I'm going to give you the highlights. Uh, this week, a ongoing investigation revealed that five towns in New Jersey have participated in some improprieties, backroom deals, and all around political favoritism when it comes to licensing. So if you're in the market for a dispensary, you'll definitely want to investigate your town's municipality and find out what's going on there before you open. And in other news, a new dispensary opened in Jersey City. We were able to speak with owner Ryan Markey of Garden Greens in Jersey City about his take on the latest situations for opening in Jersey City. He's not really worried about it. I think, you know, what the state of New Jersey did by letting the multi-state operators in here to operate uh, for a said period of time was was very smart on the state's behalf, just because, you know, they, they're coming into a new space and these are, are companies that have the wherewithal to, get, to, to, to build an infrastructure for these companies. And they came in and they, and they brought their expertise with them and they created the cannabis space. Now, you know, now that the smaller businesses are opening, um, you know, they're looking at the big companies as competition. And I don't think they should really look at it like that. I mean, you know, people go to small businesses because they want to experience what that small business has to offer in terms of like personal touch. I'm Jill Goldsberry from We Talk News. Thanks for watching. See you next week. In Pennsylvania, the movement to expand their medical program into an adult use market open to anyone over 21 is starting to heat up in the legislature. A health subcommittee on health care held a public hearing on cannabis reform, and the chair of that committee entered a suggestion that state-run stores may be the right answer there. Is it, though? Claudia Post is right in the middle of that debate and has our Pennsylvania Cannabis Report. I'm Claudia Post, 
from Scarlet Express that I'm here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, reporting for We Talk News. A Pennsylvania House committee convened yesterday in Harrisburg to discuss adult use marijuana legislation. There were many specialists there, including health members, etc., and people who are concerned about placing the adult use program into the Liquor Control Board. Now, we are only one of two states in the United States that has an LCB. And I would say that in Pennsylvania, the LCB is not efficient. And I wrote comments yesterday uh, because how can you put marijuana into a liquor control board situation, into a liquor store? These people know nothing about cannabis. So the ramp up time would be insane. Anyway, we are testifying. We are protesting. And I will tell you that there is a gentleman named Dan Frankel who believes that this will help eliminate the black market. He is totally wrong. The black market will be stronger if we go into a liquor control board situation. Now, there will be further hearings and I will report as necessary. Again, my name is Claudia Post. I'm here in Pennsylvania and I'll be back next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania. Scott's miracle Grow is a publicly traded company that has seen its ups and downs over the past year. They improved their cash flow by $681 million and reduced their debt by $361 million. They have cut expenses and will look for $100 million in cuts again. So what impact has this had on their stock price? Let's check in with Doug Miller in his weekly High on Wall Street report. I'm Doug Miller from High on Wall Street with this week's Cannabis Stock Report for Weed Talk News. Scott's miracle Grow did report financial results for its fiscal fourth quarter of 2023. The report was better than expected. That is why it popped this week. They did have revenue of $375 million, which was down 24% year over year. Wall Street expected the fourth quarter revenue to be closer to $330 million, so that's why it did pop. The company had a net loss of $468 million, which was more than it generated in revenue. They are actively seeking to try to reduce their debt of nearly $2.6 billion. Now let's see how the stock chart looks for Scott's Miracle Grow. As I mentioned, it did pop this week, so it's trading around $52, but it appears to be pulling back a little bit before it has a quick run. I would lock in those profits because it does not look great for the long term as the chart is pointing down. And that's this week's Cannabis Stock Report reporting for Weed Talk News. I'm Doug Miller. The 23rd legal state for adult use sales of cannabis is Minnesota, a state that has the benefits of others who came before them. A cannabis regulatory commission has been formed there called the Office of Cannabis Management. It's tasked with setting rules and regulations. If you happen to know someone in Minnesota or watching from Minnesota, you have an opportunity from now until the end of this month of November to offer your suggestions. So don't hesitate. Let Minnesota regulators know how you feel about home grow, THC content, social clubs, and all the other issues, because now is the time.
in Massachusetts. The Boston Business Journal is reporting this week that there are 16 cannabis businesses that have failed and closed over the past few months. All that is happening while Sean O'Donovan, an attorney in Medford, has been convicted of attempting to bribe the chief of police in that town to get preferential treatment for one of his cannabis clients. Here's PCM founder Jimmy Young with the Bay State Cannabis Report, sponsored by CNA Stores. Thanks, Elena. I'm PCM founder Jimmy Young, and this is the Bay State Cannabis Report, sponsored by CNA Stores. The Boston Business Journal reported this week that there are now 16 cannabis businesses that have closed up shop in the Bay State, and at the same time, others have opened up. More are in the licensing queue. So it is all about the regulation and taxes that seem to be the biggest hurdles for all licensees to overcome right now. One of those extra taxes is the 3% impact fee from gross revenues that host communities can collect. That host community agreement, in fact, is important because you can't even apply for a license without getting your host community agreement in place. That allows landlords to inflate rents even before a store opens. And now that current setup is open to graft. And sure enough, this week, an attorney named Sean O'Donovan was convicted of bribery in the city of Medford for offering the chief of police there a $25,000 bribe for preferential treatment for one of his cannabis clients. Sentencing is set for Sean O'Donovan for February of 2024, and he could get as much as 20 years for this federal offense. Now, since March of this year, the Cannabis Control Commission has created oversight on these agreements. And one of the biggest changes now is that towns and cities have to itemize and show invoices for what those extra community impact fees are going towards. So at least that is some positive news from the Bay State. Next week, a story about overstepping regulators in the hemp growing world and how USA Today may have extorted money from a handful of cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts and Maine. That's the Bay State Cannabis Report for this week, sponsored by CNA Stores. I'm Jimmy Young reporting for Weed Talk News. The Bay State Cannabis Report is sponsored by CNA Stores in Haverhill and Amesbury, now named as one of the top three dispensaries on the New England coast by USA Today and the only one from Massachusetts. Why? One reason is their Cannabar in Amesbury and Haverhill. Its selection is second to none. Parking is easy and this veteran-owned, family-operated retail store is now growing their own flower in a state-of-the-art facility. That's why CNA Stores is a destination dispensary. While all that is happening in Massachusetts, a state where it has been legal to sell cannabis to adults since 2018, to New Jersey, which opened last year, and now in California, the nation's largest cannabis market is reporting that their market is down 29%. The hardest hit are the growers who will have no choice but to close their legal grows and move back over to the legacy market. This is another example of how the overregulation of the legal market is making it impossible to stay in business. Many of our legislators who voted for legalization in order to cut down or eliminate the illegal grows, and now the exact opposite thing is happening in California, the nation's largest market. The United States isn't the only nation that is trying to figure out how best to end cannabis prohibition. In Australia, they have a similar situation that is emerging like here in the U.S., 
It is still federally illegal to possess or sell cannabis there, but the government has approved home grow for medicinal purposes. And now an Israeli company that produces a measured microdose of cannabis in an inhaler has received approval to market their product to the medical market in Australia. Psych Air Medical is the first and only manufacturer to gain approval for the sale and use in Australia by the Therapeutic Goods Administration, the regulatory body in that country. No such problem, though, in Canada, where that market continues to grow and become more accepted throughout their land. So here's Debbie Facey with the Canadian Cannabis Report. This is your Canadian correspondent, Debbie Facey, with We Talk News with the Canadian Talk of the Week. So what we have this week in Canada is the BC seizure field, which is the CSU, has seized over 3 million worth of cannabis since 2019. Their most, or I should say their largest seizure was a few weeks ago, and that was a significant amount of sorry, I have to read off the paper, but it was 7 million in 2022 and then 3 million in the first 10 months of 2023. And we are not even done the year yet. So that is one thing that we have now realized that when it comes to the legacy market, it is still full-fledged and might have a little trouble being able to stop it. But that being said, we do have to just see in the future. The next story that we have here in Canada is the sad decline in the amount of licensors and cultivators that are still in the business. We've had a 37% decline from 2022 to 2023, and that is something that we have seen significantly, especially when it comes to the numbers that are coming in. A lot of them have been short, have been short, um, Re restructuring themselves, but at the same time, that is declining our numbers. Unfortunately, that is a story that I'm going to have to update you on, and when I get the numbers, I make sure to let y'all know. This is Debbie Facey with Kiwi TV, your Canadian correspondent with this Canadian Talk of the Week. Peace. Now you can add the state of Missouri to the list of states who are seeing corruption and license applicant exploitation. Once again, the sale of social equity licenses are right in the middle of the controversy. A state senator there is demanding an investigation of what state Senator Carla May calls egregious exploitation of these licenses. With more from that, show me state. Here's Brandon Jones. Hey, everybody. It's Brandon Jones from Bee Green Distribution with Missouri Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. And yeah, it's getting a little cold out here in Missouri. Last week, it was 90 degrees when I was in St. Louis, and it dropped to 40. But we still had a lot of events going on, and I really want to give a big shout-out to Smoky River Cannabis, and especially Waka Flocka. If you were there, it was pouring down rain, freezing cold, and he jumped off the stage, got into the crowd, and was still performing. It was crazy. So I really appreciate Joey, the Pintosi, Joey Pintosi and all the people with Smoky River putting on events here in Missouri. And yeah, we do have to talk about that lead. Yes, exploitation is happening. We've all known about it. If you've been in the industry, everybody knows that people have been trying to find a way to get their license any way they can. So exploitation of Missouri guy, somebody that I know, what do you know? Hmm. Is it really new news or is it just finally these people are actually trying to do something about it? That's the news. So thank you for the senator here trying to make sure that people aren't getting exploited and taken advantage of. 
in this industry that we're all trying to make sure is a community of helping and beginning people to get more medicine. So if you can get out to Missouri, more stuff's going on, even though it might be getting chilly, we're going to find a way to partake in our cannabis here. So again, I'm Brandon Jones with B-Rean Distribution, shivering here in Missouri. Have a great week. Stay medicated and educated. The harvest may have had its first frost this past week in Massachusetts, and it was a few weeks ago in Vermont. That's where Jessie Lynn Dolan reports from every week in her Vermont Cannabis Report, sponsored by Canatrol. I'm Jessie Lynn Dolan from Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. Vermont's own Vermontawana and their agro-tourism cannabis farm tours were featured in MJ Biz Magazine last week. This year, between August and September, Vermontawana and their partner, Off Pissed Farm, had 47 visitors. On Thursday, November 2nd, Vermont Growers Association hosted an industry mixer at Parker Pie for a post-harvest meetup and networking session. On Friday, November 3rd, Vermont Growers hosts another virtual event for manufacturers in their Market Is What We Make It series. For more information, visit vermontgrowers.org. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. The Vermont Cannabis Report is supported by another Green Mountain business, Canatrol, winner of High Times Best Dry Cure System. Check them out at canatrols.com. Inflation has really impacted the housing market in the United States, and now High Times has come out with a report that says home values are higher in legal states than non-legal ones. In a research study of home prices by Leafly and Real Estate Witch, home values in legal adult use states have risen by an average of 181000 over the past 10 years. Typical home values in adult use states were 41% higher than states that still support prohibition. The research also said that home values increased in states that just have medical programs in comparison with states still supporting prohibition. We know that's true in Michigan, where they had legal adult use sales since 2018. Amy Carter reports. I am Amy Carter from Michigan Weedsters with this week's Michigan Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Thunder Walker is kicking off her tour here in Michigan. Today she will be in Ann Arbor, tomorrow she'll be in Flint, and then Detroit on Sunday. Thunder Walker is a cannabis advocate, author, educator, and influencer. The next stop on her tour will be New Jersey. The UAW strike has ended and that's great news for Michigan's economy. That also means Michigan cannabis businesses should be picking up too. I am very happy to report that Michigan Weedsters, an advocacy group, won a trailblazing award over the weekend. Michigan Weedsters is currently working on forming an association to help patients, caregivers, and Michigan businesses. Congratulations to Michigan Weedsters, and I will keep you up to date on the things as they progress. That's the Michigan Cannabis Report for this week. I'm Amy Carter with Michigan Weedsters, reporting for Weed Talk News. Out in Washington State, Matthew Friedlander keeps an eye on the legal cannabis market for Weed Talk News, and here's this week's report. Hello, Matthew Friedlander, coming to you from the owner's office here at Skagit Organics with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. So the LCB announced recently that they have suspended the license of a testing lab here in Washington, testing technologies. Uh, it's not the first time this lab has had issues. They previously uh, have been shut down uh, once or twice before this. They went under the name of Peak Analytics 
and were found to have been inflating cannabinoid numbers. So good from a consumer standpoint that this lab is no longer in operation. And I believe that the LCD will be seeking a permanent suspension of this license. Uh, the LCB has also signified uh, that they are looking at a number of rule changes around our medical cannabis program. So hopefully there will be some positive changes for medical cannabis patients here in Washington. Uh, it's long overdue. Medical cannabis program has suffered pretty greatly since the initiation of our regulated recreational market here in Washington. That's what I got for you this week. I am Matthew coming to you from Skagit Organics with the Washington State Cannabis Report. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And finally, don't be giving edibles to your grandparents without knowing what other medications they are using. A report in Health Debate says seniors have increased their use of cannabis sevenfold between the years of 2012 and 2022. The cannabinoids, though, in the plant can increase the rate of metabolism in your body, so those prescribed medications are less effective. CBD interacts with 540 medications, and THC interacts with 400 medications. Needless to say, seniors have a slower metabolism than younger people and usually have to take more prescribed medications than younger people. So it is important to consult your doctor or pharmacist about your use of medical cannabis, and hopefully they have researched these interactions. Topicals are probably the safest product to test out on the aches and pains that many seniors suffer from. And of course, the industry mantra of starting low and going slow should always be practiced. That's Weed Talk News for this week. I'm Elena Pinto. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there, so use it responsibly. I'm marketing these, and yes, I'm pitching to you. That's Steve Levine, the inventor and principal behind the One Hit Wonder. And this little efficient device is getting rave reviews. And there's more uses than just the One Hit Wonder. The One Hit Wonder, you get a 50 milligram hit. So if you used a One Hitter or dugout before, you know the challenges. Steve's One Hit Wonder is easy to clean, use, and enjoy. Standard One Hitters do not work. We're afraid to inhale. The One Hit Wonder has a built-in ash catcher. So inhale like it's your last breath. Suck the ash right through. Get it at onehitwonder.com.